Welcome to Podcast Live. I'm Ollie Mann, and this afternoon I'm joined by a collection of top political podcasters from across the political spectrum. You could almost call it a union, with varying <laughs> views on, well, everything. But uh, coming up in the next hour, we're going to do what the government has failed to do and solve Brexit oh, once yeah. and for oh, yeah. all. Right. right here. <laughs> <laughs> deal or no deal, deal 2.0, Norway++ plus plus with extract of Canada. No cheering for that one, just laughter. <laughs> Let's welcome today's panel for our roundtable discussion. On my left, I'm already jumping to conclusions, uh, it is the former Home Secretary and Labour MP and now podcaster from For The Many, Jackie Smith. (laughs) Jackie, how did you go from uh, Home Secretary to podcaster? (laughs) How did I fall so far? Is that what you're saying? In some people's views. Um, I happen to think podcasting is the ultimate medium. You're right, and it's part of the liberation that comes from no longer being an elected politician that you can engage in the sort of lively debates that Ian and Dale and I do every Sunday morning, usually from our front rooms to each other. So it's been an absolute joy to start Podcast Live this morning at 10 o'clock with the For The Many podcast. We felt that we were like the status quo at Live Aid position, <laughs> which shows my age as well as my interest. Good. I'd be happy with just aha at Live Aid. <laughs> but if, if Podcast Live has already been elevated to Live Aid, that's good. Uh, we also have a man with us who has edited Q and Mixmag and is now behind one of the most successful political podcasts, Romaniacs. It's Andrew Harrison. So I guess the same question for you, really. How did that come about? How did you go from music journalism to this? I don't know if you've noticed, music journalism has evaporated <laughs> and vanished. Yeah. So I needed a job. Yeah. I needed something to do with my life. Um, I actually started a music and, and film podcast uh, with Matt Hawley, who's at the back there in the green top. Um, and it that's was, Big Mouth, isn't it? That's Big Mouth, Which I yes. would highly recommend if you are interested in arts and culture podcast. Very kind of. I'm, not, I'm wearing a Big Mouth t-shirt under the Rainiacs t-shirt. Um, <laughs> And it was, it, it, you know, we sort of taught ourselves to do a podcast, and we thought we should be doing should be doing another one. What are we obsessed with? And what we were talking about all day, every day, was Brexit. And we thought, well, we'll give it a go. Uh, we didn't think there was a proper voice out there for for Remain, because in the sort of in the ruins and the rubble after the referendum, there wasn't really a coherent place for for Remain people to go there. And we thought we can reclaim the word Remainiacs. So we're, I'm heavily on brand with the phone cover and the T-shirt and everything. And we've turned it from an insult and a and a, a kind of mark of calumny into a mark of Pride, I think. Lots of people are quite proud of being Romaniacs now. We <laughs> own the Ramon, was the line. And, uh, <laughs> and obviously, having a Ramon's logo to spoof kind of helped. And it, it helped congeal the whole thing. And were you a bit inspired by, I forget the name of the show, someone will help me with this in a minute, I'm sure. But what's the, the name of that show, those former Obama staffers who sit around and talk Pod about Save Trump. America. Pod Save America. We were America. sort of inspired by that, but chiefly by the slate political gab fest, which was my kind of, that was my nicotine for podcasts, <laughs> that was my gateway drug. And they're brilliant, they're funny, they're informed, but most of all they're informal and they say what they really think. It's just like Jackie was just saying then, they're outside the straitjacket of conventional politics, but also the balance that can make, I hate to say mainstream media, but you know, conventional broadcasters seem a little dull and trite. And that was the inspiration really, Slate Political Gabfest. Subscribe now on your phone, do it right now. <laughs> okay, and as we move further left of Andrew, <laughs> purely situationally, <laughs> may I welcome Breitbart columnist and Dellingpod podcaster James Dellingpole. Now, in the, in the manner of all good podcasts, this is completely unresearched, this question. I just heard a rumour. But is it true that you started as a music journalist too? I, 
I did spend a chunk of my career uh, as a music journalist, and, and still I get, I'm on the special uh, Michael Evis special friend list, <gasps> where I get to go to Glastonbury every year, because Michael Evis thinks, and I don't want to correct him, <laughs> he thinks I saved the festival. Because, because I, I, I reported on it back in the day for the Telegraph and wrote nice things about it. And when the local council were trying to remove his licence, they read the Telegraph and, and, and saw that it was being written about favourably, and they thought, well, it must be a good, a good event, so we'll... So I say the festival, apparently. Yeah. He's so you're so cool. Yeah, no, really cool. Yeah, I, I think it's quite a good thing. And, but most of the people who go to Glastonbury really, really hate me. because I, mean, it is, it I is, thought there was a Breitbart tent is, in Leftfield. It <laughs> it's Remainer Central. And I occasionally walk up to the, the, the giant polar bear or whatever the Greenpeace fields got that year just to kind of goad them, you know, wearing a T-shirt saying, <laughs> I heart fossil fuels or, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> He's not joking. <laughs> no, 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 but I, do, I, I, but I do like the music. And I was a great fan of, 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 of Q, and mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm a fan of yours. I oh, mean, so I, you, 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 so. fine, fine writing. So there is, there is a meeting Can at Can I not be divide. horrible about you now? You've got to be nice to you now. I, no, can't, no, I can't disagree you, with you. I, need, I, I don't care. You do what you like. Fair news. I believe in freedom, man. <laughs> <laughs> And fossil fuels. And yeah, fossil, and fuels. fossil fuels, yeah. Uh, and finally, The Telegraph's chief political correspondent, assistant editor and host of Chopper's Brexit podcast, Christopher Hope. Hey. Uh, what's it like being regularly confused with Sir Christopher Chope? Yes, I, I do put out Twitter corrections whenever he makes some gaffe about upskirting or, or female, female genital mutilation, basically blocking stuff. He does it for reasons that Jackie knows about, which is basically trying to protect private backbencher time. Anyway, it's boring. But he just does it, and I I'm, and I'm often get abuse on Twitter, because I'm not Sir Christopher Chope. But does that give you actually an insight into what it's like, not just being someone who's got your own partisan followers who listen to your podcast and read what mm. you write, but actually being a representative in Parliament and the abuse yeah. you are open to for it, it making is a grim. decision? It is grim, the ab abuse they get, and I do, feel, I do feel sorry for them, and I think um, just don't read notifications, I think, on some days, but it, it is grim. I mean, it's awful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was kind of just the beginnings of social media, wasn't it, when mm. you were actually in Cabinet? But what's the abuse like you get now compared to the abuse you get then, if you see what I mean? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, is it, is it bad being for elected representative? For reasons, I get l actually slightly less abuse now than I used to get when I was Home Secretary and various other things were happening to me. I think it is... I, I actually was chairing a meeting with uh, MPs and police and other security people in Parliament a couple of weeks ago and hearing what some of the MPs were saying about the abuse that they were getting oh. on social media, emailed to them, shouted at them in the street. I thought that that was far worse than anything actually that I'd ever experienced. I think there's something that's happened to political debate in the last three or four years that is really toxic. And actually one of the things I can say about today is it is just... A sort of fantastic relief to be with a bunch of politically interested people from a whole range of different views and actually to feel comfortable. I mean, we haven't done this hour yet. But generally, not to feel that you're going to face abuse, but you're going to have interesting, challenging questions. Yeah, we don't know what's on James's t shirt yeah, at the moment. Yeah. He's wearing a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what we've done, and uh, I've constructed this with producer Ricky in the last hour, so I'm not pretending this is stellar, <laughs> but what we've done is we've divided the conversation we're going to have into six articles, 50 just seemed cumbersome, um, <laughs> which we're going to debate. So article one, we're calling Dreams versus Reality. Uh, this week we heard about the Flextension for the first time, which isn't something you buy in Curry's, but Donald Tusk suggesting there might be a way for the UK to have another year 
another year of, of this, <laughs> rethinking our Brexit, so not this panel. The bre- <laughs> <laughs> It'll just seem like it. <laughs> but the Brexit omni-shambles. Um, and the suggestion is it might give the House of Commons and the government time to get their ducks in a row. So I want to ask you what you would like to happen, but the reason we've called it dreams versus reality is I want you to tell me what you actually think will happen. Because that's the thing people ask me, and I haven't got a clue. Like Friends and family, people in pubs, they say, what's going to happen with this then? What is going to happen? Let's start with you, Christopher, as someone who writes about what yes. will happen. What time scale is, is your horizon? Is it a year, hence? I'd like to know what's going to happen in the next week, and then ultimately are we going to leave the European Union? How about that? Well, I think what will happen next week is these talks will break down with Labour. They're just doing it for show, really, to try and present something next Wednesday in Brussels to, the, to, 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 to show some, some cross-party movement. I think they'll end up being um, a degree, these indicative votes will happen maybe Tuesday, maybe perhaps, or, or this all could be delayed to the following week, giving C enough progress. But what's going to happen eventually is there'll be a choice between Theresa May's deal and a customs union, and essentially it's a Hobson's choice because it's, it's the same thing, because the Theresa May's deal is, is presenting a new customs arrangement rather than, the, anyway, it's very dry stuff, but they're going to end up with, with essentially, I think, a vote to probably stay in a form of customs union by MPs in the, the next two weeks, I think. And I think we'll probably end up, I think we're not leaving, I think, maybe 22nd of May with, a, with this sorted out. With a customs union? I think so. Okay. And I know this is harder for you to answer out of everyone on the panel because you arrived at the Telegraph, but what would you like to happen? Well, I think it's really important we get out. I think the one thing that Theresa May gets right is this feeling of betrayal if we don't. Um, she, she, for all her... Th- faults which we can go into later she she is in touch with her electorate she goes back there every friday afternoon and saturday morning and campaigns on the doorstep and talks to people and she will get this feeling of frustration and just kind of angst that we are can't get out i mean my podcast was launched in in um april 2017 and the 100th edition the 100th edition was on march 29th So that was it, right? I was going to flame out, mic drop, boom, <laughs> yeah. hope out. And I can't. I can't, can't let it go. Because we're still in it, so we have to keep going. OK, but um, mid-May is your new date, which is not too far away. I think May. I think, I think so. I just think that I think the idea of fighting those elections uh, on, uh, um, and then st- and having MEPs elected will be a disaster for the government and for the political class. OK, we'll talk about the elections again as well later. Yeah. But, uh, James, let's throw some red meat to those people who were whooping when you came on. What, yeah. do, you think, what do you think you would like to happen? What I would like to, the, the only thing that, that, that should happen is, is no deal. Um, I don't think any of the other versions being presented to us represent any kind of meaningful Brexit. And whether no deal happens now or in uh, two years' time or five years' time or ten years' time or twenty years' time, it's going to happen. It's inevitable because that is, that is where the current of history is. People are, what, what's being called populism is actually just people expressing their democratic right to, to vote for things, and they should not be ignored. But we don't know that's where the momentum is in 20 years' time. I mean, even now, the polls aren't that clear as to how people have changed. No, I think, I, think, I think you're wrong. Um, but what, what's that <laughs> based on? Um, so, so give, look, give us some data. How do you know that people are coming round to no deal? How do I think they're coming round to no deal? Look, I, I'm not sure. These seem to be slightly sort of remainery questions. I think let's just go no, back. No, 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 you look at Bolsonaro in, in Brazil. You look at the so-called populist um, governments forming in places like Hungary. I uh, look at Matteo Salvini in Italy. 
you've got people reacting against the social democratic consensus, which is applied probably more or less since the war. People are in revolutionary mood, and whether it happens now or later, it's going to happen, because we are sick of the, uh, the socialistic, sclerotic, corrupt, anti-democratic entity that is the European I'm Union. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> we value things like, like, like sovereignty and, and independence. But okay, not so parliamentary sovereignty, so if you don't agree yeah. with it, James. Yeah. So, um, okay, so that's what you'd like to happen. <laughs> what do you think will happen? The problem is that... Because we could leave with no deal in all three this, days. All this depends days. on the <coughs> Conservative Party doing the right thing, and it is clearly utterly incapable of doing the right thing. Therefore, I think what's probably going to happen is that... Worst case scenario, um, there's going to be a general election. My God, imagine if Theresa May were to lead the Conservative Party in a general election. Uh, and then that would mean Jeremy Corbyn and Venezuela. We'd become Venezuela. <laughs> and we'd be all eating our cats and our dogs. And I, I'm quite fond of my dog and I don't want to eat it. See, the great thing about podcasting is I don't really have to counter that. Oh I, can just, <laughs> I can just let That's that true. sit there. It's true. We'll all be eating our cats and dogs. Yeah. Mm. Andrew? Well, some n- number of interesting points were raised there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that Christopher says uh, that there's a great answer that we haven't left yet. Why are we still in? But I think, um, particularly from hearing James just then, I think it illustrates to what an extent we live in two nations, utterly <coughs> unlike one another. Because all I experience is the terrible, terrible angst that this obvious failure, this utter catastrophe, where everything we were promised hasn't been delivered, where the leadership we were supposed to expect has not materialised. The angst I see is that this shit show is still continuing. My dream... For how long? Well, my dream, which I think is increasingly becoming a viable reality, is hard revoke. Revoke Brexit, <laughs> reboot Britain. We've, right. we've taken this thing through the parliamentary That's process. The people who've done it have not necessarily done it in good faith, but they have done it. They've had their shot. They have failed. We're a parliamentary democracy. Let's have faith in the people that we elected. And I think it's coming round to revoke. So, okay, so that is both what you would like to happen and you genuinely think will happen? I think, there's a, I think there's a growing chance of it happening. What I think is more likely is that the case for another vote is becoming unanswerable. Not because, uh, you know, we, I'm, I'm sure James will tell us yeah, that, um, that Europe is, is making us vote again. Europe is not making us vote again. We are going to make ourselves vote again because we've been served this silver salver, which we were told was going to contain freedom, money, sovereignty, everything. The lid has been taken off and it's a turd burger before you, <laughs> which cannot be polished. But the problem and is... the people are going to make us vote again are ourselves. But the problem is you wouldn't have... You weren't persuaded by that case at the last referendum, so it's not as if you've been presented with something that's then not what it turned out to no, be. No, that's true. But there are I a lot of people who wanted it and still want it, despite it not turning out what they were told. Perhaps we should find out if that's still the case by some sort of massive public consultation <laughs> vote of some sort. That's my idea. That's what I, I think that's marginally more likely than revoke. They had but I think one in 2016. Were you aware of this? There was, there was, there was a vote. It was, it was one vote referendum. once is not democracy. Uh, Things change. Then what, though? Right, how many no, votes do you need? Three, very interesting because uh, what's often raised is people will come at you on Twitter with a zinger and say maybe we should like rerun the FA Cup final then <laughs> shall we and you say we do, we do every year <laughs> we do it every year to find. people's opinions are dynamic circumstances change um, and 
you know, I see no reason why a vote in 2016 should be honoured three, four years later. We go back to the people. We're a democracy and we're a parliamentary democracy. Personally, I think that referendums themselves are the crack cocaine of democracy. The high is very, very high. The come down is terrible and you ruin your life. So I'm not a fan of referendums. I think they're awful. I'm a big, big fan of parliamentary democracy. When you win, then you'll be happy. Not until. No. Jackie Smith. Well, I wouldn't have had the referendum back in um, 2016, and I think David Cameron caved to pressure within his party. There is a proposal for a much closer relationship, a, a customs union, which would be very much my second choice, but that actually... Jeremy Corbyn makes sure what I believe my party's policy is, which is to put the deal, a deal, to a vote of the British people is also part of that. So we end up with a confirmatory vote on a softer Brexit. Okay, but that wasn't quite what you think will happen. (laughs) Mm, No, I fear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to remain upbeat and positive on this uh, Sunday lunchtime. I think there is a chance that we will end up with a no-deal Brexit. And I think... I think that would be disastrous for the country. And I when? Think. On Friday? Um, not, but not necessarily on Friday. I think there might be a sort of cobbled together attempt to try and make it, to try and go slightly longer. Unless so the, there so are the European Union say, yes, you can have a bit more time, but then we'll end up with no deal anyway. But I think unless you have, uh, which I'm not particularly in favour of, but unless you have a series of indicative votes in Parliament based no, on a no. preferential system, you won't ever come to a parliamentary conclusion. And incidentally, I can't understand people who argue that the Brexit vote was about sovereignty, spent the whole of the time during during the referendum campaign saying we want the power back for our own parliament to make decisions and yet aren't willing to listen to what parliament is saying at the moment which is one we don't want a no deal brexit and two we're struggling to find something that we can all uh, agree on and actually the only way they're probably going to be able to do that is by having this sort of preferential voting system so James, you I, I, lo- I love the way that the Ramonas are appropriating the, the <laughs> language, the mantle of democracy, claiming that they represent the people. Did when the you, people, in wait, the wait, referendum wait, campaign, did you argue yeah. for parliamentary sovereignty in the referendum sorry. campaign? I bet you bloody well I was, did, I but was, you don't want to listen to Parliament now. Sorry. Can you not interrupt when I'm developing my beautifully, uh, <laughs> beautifully and intelligent point? Um, but, which, is, which is to say that. Duh. In, in June 2016, 17.4 million people voted for Brexit. More than ever, ever, ever voted for anything else in this country. That, yeah, actually, it needs restating right. because so far the political establishment, More the, people political, have voted in a the, liberal, the liberal elite has conspired in every means possible to frustrate the democratic will. I earned and 18, now, pounds last year. Now, I we've got, now we've got people saying... That, that actually the people didn't know what they were doing, they were ignorant. No, they nobody said that. Nobody said that. We hear it all the time no, we from don't. Remainers. We haven't said that. Uh, no, but, but we've you never can take that. solace in the Today fact that actually... No, we, uh, don't, we have never said it. So never we have that. never said that. You can take solace in the fact that actually, whilst Jackie was saying that there will be a no deal, that was a likely outcome, Christopher was nodding. So I you actually think, think that nice. is, so there I might be one. But I was, I, I was I talking I can, about... I can see a stumbling out with a no deal, as Jackie can. I can see the... the wrong phrase, isn't it called crashing out? Well, I've, the BBC I think it's leaving on WTO terms. <laughs> I mean, I think it's less... Um, it's not called, you know, you don't call it people's vote, you call it confirmatory referendum now, because that's now a toxic, toxic term in some quarters. I think what's going to happen is um, Germany will try and sort something out at the, at the, the summit, and I think that the French will say, no, no. 
I think will be there'll be I think there'll be a problem. I think you know, they're, they're sh they've already shed out the the MEP seats now in in in, in Brussels and Strasbourg, haven't they? So they're already, well, they've passed the, these these MEP jobs around. So for us to come in and say, well, we may have them. And even a flex extension, that's a one-year extension. We have like um, some MEP. Nigel Farage will probably get 50, 50 out of the 80 seats on offer, and he'll be sitting there. With, you know, I think, and then he'll be vetoing everything, and it's yeah. just going to cause utter headache for them. But how I do think you account for the fact that the, the general public? I think most people listening to this who don't follow the detail of it would probably <laughs> conclude by the fact that. Most people in Parliament are saying we don't want a no deal. The European Union is saying we don't want a no deal. As you say, 48% in the first place voted for Remain and how many of the people who voted to leave wanted a no deal. Most people just sort of thinking about it dispassionately would say, well, clearly, eventually, it's more likely that we wouldn't leave the European Union at all than that we would leave with But there no are deal. options the that are the, yeah, crashing the, out. There's a managed no deal, Jackie, sorry. No. The, well, the current <coughs> legal default is to leave with no deal. So this is where, you know, stumbling, crushing, whatever you want to call it. Uh, if Parliament can't come to a conclusion and Theresa May can't go back to Europe and say, look, this is what we want, because there's some justification in the Europeans saying, well, you can always tell us what you don't want, but you can't tell us what you do want. If, if we can't come to that conclusion, then I'm afraid the sort of legal default position is the no deal. And that's the dangerous, for me, that's the dangerous position that we currently find ourselves. Okay, I'm going to move on to article number two. Okay. Uh, and there will be space for your questions at the end as well. So I'll try and get pelt through some of these now. Uh, <laughs> article number two, we are calling spin doctor surgery. So uh, if there's one common thread in what you've all said, arguably, it's that Theresa May has fucked up to get us to this point. Yeah. Um, it's not what anyone wanted, and that's why it's struggling. But imagine if, through some technical error on Indeed.com, you have become Theresa May's spin doctor for the day. <laughs> uh, how would you present the position she's in to try and get us out of this deadlock? Because it's an unfashionable thing to say now, but as recently as sort of two months ago, a lot of the public said, I feel sorry for Theresa May. She's been put in this position. It was very difficult. Could anyone have done any better? Andrew, I am coming to you first. Okay, I would. She has got one thing going for her, and you just mentioned it, pity. That's all she's got going for her. I would put together a party <laughs> political broadcast with, do you remember the end theme from The Incredible Hulk, as David Bannon was walking away slowly on his own. A lonely Theresa May walking across St. Stephen's Green with a voiceover <laughs> saying something along the lines of, don't let this poor woman fail. <laughs> Don't let her go oh, down in history enough. as the greatest failure in British politics. Sadly, she is going to go down in history. As but, and do what? I mean, what's the message yes. for the public? Don't let her fail by doing what? Um, yes. I think uh, the message would be back her deal. It's the best you're going to get. By the way, I wholeheartedly say I don't believe any of this, but if, I've, if you've strong-armed me into this undoable job, so thanks for that, um, that her deal is the best you're going to get. She's put her all into it. Look at it. Look how tired she is. Look how grey and wan. Look how worn out she is. Give her one last moment of satisfaction okay. <coughs> before she vanishes. Um, Your Theresa May's spin that, that, Isn't that quite bad advice, given that every time she's put the, her withdrawal agreement, her, her glitter dip turd in front of the um, <laughs> parliament, they've, they've, they've turned it down, and they're going to do it again. My advice to Theresa would be, look, Theresa, I know you're incredibly thick, you read geography, it's a given, but... <laughs> Went to um, Oxford. But, but, yeah, she, yeah, whatever, sympathy probably. Um, but 
<laughs> Presumably, when you when you when it was your ambition to become prime minister, you did not want to become prime minister to go down in history as the worst <laughs> prime minister, even worse than Lord North. You are the worst prime minister in history now. That is your reputation. Do you want that, or do you want to salvage your reputation at the very last moment? And it's very easily done. All you've got to do is to give the people what they voted for. That's democracy. I think you're overstepping you your can, brief as a you spin here. You're <laughs> changing policy, you James. Say, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to persuade with the intellectual case and, and the emotional case. How can you present case. her case as it is now to the public? To the public. Yeah. Her case to the public? Yeah. Well, that's what she, I mean, that conversation is happening right now, isn't it? Somewhere in Westminster. <laughs> <laughs> She hasn't got a case. She's just got to, got to vote for the... Christopher, you bring your hand up. I've, I've got an idea. Right. You, you look at what she's got, right? She's got a deal which gets the EU, uh, UK out of the EU, and you have you have um, 21 month um, transition, a 12-month extension. So you've got, you've got 33 months to get a trade deal with the EU if we leave now. Okay. <laughs> And given the, two, given the EU and UK are aligned, unlike Canada and other countries, that are aligned with all the same standards, with, the, with a will, there's a possibility you can get a trade deal done in 33 months to avoid the backstop. So what you do, you, see, you say to people that the backstop is what it is, right? But you can, you can do a trade deal in 33 months, let's go for it, and I'm going to put in someone who can <laughs> kick the civil service around. I'm going to stand down. I think there's a positive case to be made for the deal that we avoid the backstop with the year extension after, after the 21-month transition period. But don't you have a problem there with the Labour votes, that they're not going to vote for something that's predicated on the fact that a Brexit-supporting Tory leader is going to become Prime Minister to implement they don't know what? Well, you try and write into law, maybe into, into the withdrawal agreement, bits of the political declaration to sort out Labour concerns about what, what customs union is. But I think I think I would sell it better. I would sell. I think we are we're quite aligned. I think even in the even in the backstop, we are better. We're, we're okay in the backstop. We're not paying to be in it, and we and we can diverge away if we try to. I mean, James would disagree with that. But I think there's definitely nice, an argument. Yeah. There's an argument to be said that there's no case no case being made, and there's no attempt. I mean, the CBI appear to be opposing the um, uh, the deal, but not saying what they want. I and mean, I think there's a I think there's a whole. I think it's exa- they're all exhausted and can't be bothered anymore, but I think it's a case you made for the deal has not been made. I think the CBI are saying they'd rather stay in the well, EU, exactly. and if they can't, they'd rather have the softest possible Brexit, exactly. aren't they? Do you think that this idea that you should build some sort of parliamentary safeguard into whatever deal is being discussed at the moment is one way of getting around Labour's concern that all that's going to happen is Theresa May's going to go and Boris will yeah. take over? And but it goes on to trust, Jackie. I mean, would you trust... Um, you know, the, the way they vilified Jeremy Corbyn as leader mm. with one breath at PMQs, didn't they, on Wednesday, and then they went literally an hour later and said, help us out. Yeah, but I mean, that's always... Insane. The, to be fair, that's always the nature of negotiating with the opposition in, mm. in government. Do you want me to sell yes, Theresa May? Yes, I would like to okay. know. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. Um, Theresa May, <coughs> hard-working woman, uh, pretty good home secretary, is picking up the mess left by a bunch of Eton boys who trashed the country, broke the windows and ran away when somebody had to answer for it. Uh, give her the chance to do the right thing uh, by the country uh, and support her deal. A cough in response to that. I thought that was pretty good, actually, in terms of the brief I gave you. Thank you. But do you think, because uh, you hear this being discussed a lot in the media, that one of the things that went wrong, was it before the third meaningful vote, I think it was, when she made that speech uh, in, in number oh. 10 in front of the podium, sort of saying... Well, I like that speech. Yeah, so, OK, so the, the oh. business about Parliament's frustrating the one of the British people. I thought he was speaking for people. She was saying, you, we're all, they're all pissed off with you. Get on with it. And and so that's sure. the I like that. Come to, I to a spin doctor saying, let's, let's change the narrative. And it, 
Some people say that was crucial in causing the defeat. Yeah. Is so that it true? Was, so it was bad. I think it probably, wow. well, I, I think it would still have been defeated. But, I mean, you didn't ask me to say what I believed, incidentally. <laughs> you asked me to be a spin doctor. Sure. Um, but what I would say, and, and so actually what I think she's done, is I think she uh, squandered her political advantage when she called general election and couldn't campaign well enough to get the majority she needed. I think she should have taken the lesson from that general election that she didn't have enough votes on the Tory side and she'd need to reach out beyond the DUP to try and come to some sort of, um, some sort of agreement. And I think she was wholly wrong in that statement to set her, to try and, uh, I mean, you know, appealing over the heads of Parliament to the country, of course has got an attraction to it, but at a time when things are as feverish as they are at the moment, I think essentially putting MPs in the firing uh, line for trying to do their job of representing what they think is the best thing for the country failing but not because of their mm. efforts but because of the nature of parliament and the inability to be able to come yeah. to some conclusion was a despicable thing to do and that was the point actually where i lost any residual sympathy that i'd got with her i'll say one thing you said earlier jackie that what she's doing at the moment is telling labor that her deal is like a customs union and telling the ERG it isn't. Yeah. And that, oh. that summarises the entire mess they're in. Yeah. They've got this, this turd dipped in glitter, as James calls it, yeah. and they're calling it, one's calling it a lollipop, yeah. and someone else is calling it a turd <laughs> dipped in glitter. <laughs> but it can't be both things. Yeah. But, but and she's never been clear, clear that Brexit can't always mean Brexit. She had to say what it meant, probably after the 2017 election, and say it means probably quite close alignment because of the numbers now, ERG. But she wouldn't be honest. And now we are where we are. Mm. But actually, would the deal have been that different <laughs> if she'd have reached out earlier? If she'd have reached out two years ago to Labour and to everyone who said we're going to honour the referendum, even though we didn't vote for it, if she'd have done that, and then they'd have had the meaningful votes then about what Parliament wanted, since this is what the EU were prepared to negotiate, isn't this, wouldn't this be what they'd come back with anyway, or something very close to it, except there would then be no opposition to it? But she did go into that negotiation with a set of red lines. She did. Yeah, but in 2016, wouldn't most people have agreed that that was roughly what the vote was about? Certainly immigration, that was a big yeah. thing, and everyone yeah. agreed at the time, yes, yeah. that was really about immigration, so that should be in their end of freedom of movement. But I think everybody can agree that, you know, her... Um redefining 52% as 100%, dividing 48% as 0%, <laughs> saying she's going to bring the country together by talking only to the ERG. I mean, this is a woman with a total lack of empathy, a total lack of imagination, and a total lack of strategic thought. Um, you're probably right. You know, a, 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 a Prime Minister who had started out from the a point of view of we need a plan before we need action probably would have been able to bring this particular deal home with more support within the House. But she simply steamrolled ahead. I think she's got head girl syndrome. I have to do my duty and just There's nothing on, wrong with being a head girl. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. There's nothing wrong with being a head, head girl. Pupil, head pupil. Yeah, head pupil. Yeah, but I, but I think that... Um, Prime Minister requires other skills as well. Indeed. Yeah. And do, you, do you think there's some? I'm not saying you're necessarily saying Andrew was being sexist, but do you think there is some sort sexism? Of was actually, but in <laughs> head boy syndrome. If she was a boy, she'd have head boy syndrome. And I suspected you were too. Um, but do you think there is some sexism in the way that people talk about Theresa May? Um, yes. Although I don't think this is her problem in this particular case. No. I think it What's is. What's the evidence uh, of that? Yeah. Totally relevant. How irrelevant is it? Anyway, well, I just said, uh, uh, calm down, boys. I just said. <laughs> We're attacking the festival, not you. I just said, I think she faces sexism, but I don't think that's why she's gone wrong in this particular situation. Article number three. Uh, we are calling election direction. 
It's basically just a title. Uh, (laughs) What I want to talk about is the possibility of a snap general election, which gets talked about, and also the very real possibility, it seems now, of the European elections. And I'm just curious what you guys think will happen in those scenarios. Uh, the European elections. Well, let's start with you. Who, who do you think James would actually it's, win? Are, are you standing with the Brexit party? Yes. No, no I, I, maybe I should. Um, uh, He's standing. <laughs> no, I think the, uh, the Brexit party and UKIP are going to absolutely cream it, and, and the Conservatives are going to be wiped out. I think even Dan Hannan will be lucky to keep his seat. Dan probably will, but everyone else will just be finished. It's going to be a massive populist result, re- uh, revolt, people trying to, trying to signal their displeasure to the Conservative Party. There will be other parties standing, you know, not just Brexit and UKIP. I, as, a, as a Romaniac, I'm actually quite looking forward to the European elections because I think we're going to clean up. I think it's an opportunity to demonstrate enthusiasm we for represent, Europe. We represented by who? Lib Dems. Well, I mean, there's a possibility that of a of full you know, party realignment in this. We're old enough to remember when the Green Party... Well, I think the Greens now. 89 is the biggest, best model for this. Yeah, when yeah. the Greens it has came through with 15% of the vote and Maggie yeah. Thatcher went, whoa, Interesting. let's start doing something. For the audio that, record, was, I want to say everyone nodded at that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there's... Um, I think we all saw the Sky poll buzzing around lately that said only 47% of people said they vote, would vote in the European elections. I looked, the highest turnout in the European election yeah. was 38.52%. Yeah. So far from being angry at the prospect, as yes, they're relishing it. They're gagging yeah, for they it. Are, bring it on. Bring on the European elections. As for a general election, I don't think anybody really fancies that, do they? It's not going to change or solve. Labour. Oh, I don't know. I, well, I, I, I do fancy it. If if the Conservatives ditch Theresa May mm. and replace with a Brexiteer, then I think this is, these are good times for the country. I think we'll, we'll, we'll what, win. What happens to the <laughs> Remain Conservatives then? Where oh, do they uh, go? Uh, Lib Dems. I mean, they're all people, people like Tig. people like Dominic Grieve, people like um, Sarah Wollaston, uh, Nick Bowles, for heaven's sake. These are Liberal Democrats who simply joined the, the Conservative Party because they knew they were never going to get into Parliament. No, they're, not. They're, they're, they're old. They're not. They're, they're not conservatives. conservatives. They're not yeah, extremists. Yeah. Well, two like of those two have yeah. left the party already, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the truth is, they're tiggers, and there are about eleven of them, I would say, who eleven or twelve of them who are. Basically, leaving the party as, as we yeah. see. So, so Tiggers, you mean the independent group, right? Well, I mean, they're, I still mean called? They're, they're called Chuckers now, Change aren't they? UK. Change called UK. Change UK. Okay. It's called Chucker, you see. Mm. <laughs> I see. He's not leader yet, but he's called it Chucker. Might Change UK have a chance at the European elections? I think that's not there yet. I mean, they, they are definitely trying to get onto the list. Um, I, I think the Brexit party is well placed with a great brand because no one really knows anything about the parties at all. But no. Brexit, I'll have a bit of that. But yeah. and actually, the public didn't have a chance to vote for Farage I before, in this sense, did they? Because no. it was a distilled kind well, of. That's right. that's I actually, leaf I actually campaign. agree with quite a lot of what James <coughs> said, um, apart from the bit about it'll be great for the country. Um, <laughs> so if you look at the, if you look at the Newport West by-election uh, back in 2017. Um, that general election slightly put paid to the argument that you know uh, British politics was splintering and there were lots of different parties because there was a much bigger majority for the two main parties. What happened in Newport West was actually people slightly turned their back on the two main parties and went to UKIP and to other parties there. Uh, that's what I think would happen if we had European elections. So I think um, actually the Brexit party would probably do very well. Incidentally, I also think that possibly really unequivocal Remain parties would also potentially do quite well because my problem with my own party I think um, in in a general election is it's not clear to me at the moment what Labour's position on Brexit would be in a Mm -hmm. general election. I think Mm -hmm. part of the problem isn't quite clear in these negotiations what Labour's policy is. So I think a general election and incidentally I also would fear 
that a different Tory leader would have more attraction to the country than perhaps my current leader has at the moment. So I wouldn't relish a general election from that point of view, because I still want there to be a Labour government. And I think a European election will provide an opportunity, some part of which might be good for people to have the opportunity to say we don't want to leave the EU, but I think it provides a big opportunity for other parties. It's also worth pointing out that... um, I think I'm right in saying that the European elections are list elections. Yeah. So the more parties that, the more Remain parties that stand, so much better for Remainers. We get to vote for many, rather than just having, you know, hoping that Labour is going to get off the fence and go into, you know, most voters still somehow, God knows how, believe that uh, the Labour Party is a Remain party. But if the party comes out unequivocally, unequivocally for the position that this has been tried, it has failed, and maybe the failure of these talks with Theresa May provides cover for that, then I think you'd see a big bump for Labour as well. But I think it could be the most exciting European election ever. Imagine. <laughs> that might be quite so a low bar, bar but yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, work with me here. Yeah. It's quite weird, isn't it, that the argument would be that the two parties or the two groups of parties who might do well in the European election are essentially the ones that would then try and sabotage what's going on from inside. If most people say they want a consensus... Yeah. The voting for like yeah. very pro-Remain or very yeah. pro-Brexit into the European yeah. Parliament is going to frustrate. Well, pro-Remain consensus. I don't think we all want a consensus at all. No. no. But the, the irony. I didn't say we all do. I said the I, irony I, I, is I that speculated um, most people would like a consensus. The irony is that that, that Jackie Eaton boys brought in. You know, this, this, they committed the referendum back in January 2014, um, ahead of, or, or shortly as, the the UKIP swept the board, won and won the European elections last time round. And just as they're weakening Brexit, they're all coming back. And it's a lesson there for the Tory party. Also, where was Oliver Wetwin at school? Where was Nicholas Soames at school? I, I, where, and which way did they vote? They're all Remainers. So it's not, you know, this idea that Eton is somehow... You know, I'm, I'm speaking is that about, what you were? No, 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 but I'm speaking up for Etonians. I think they're, they're being given a, a rough, rough ride here. I think <laughs> Etonians on balance are Remainers because, unfortunately, the establishment is generally pro-Remain. It's um, quite a weird country where we're considering where people went to school at all. Well, can I just say, but I agree with that. And remember, I right. t- used the phrase Eton boys when I was being Theresa May's spin doctor. On the whole, I don't judge people by where they went to school. I judge them by whether or not they've trashed the country. And uh, <laughs> those boys have. Article number four. We are calling Does Size Matter? Um, <laughs> you didn't tell me about this before. I'm five foot two. Um, and what we mean by that is the numbers, at what point the numbers do matter in terms of tipping public opinion. So whether that is uh, the amount of people that might vote for a Brexit party at the European elections or whether that is the amount of people that might sign a petition saying it's time to revoke. Do those numbers make any difference? People are so entrenched they don't seem that open to the data at all. No, loads of, loads of Russians um, have signed it. Oh, and, and, and those people in North Korea. I mean, millions, millions of, of, of techies and, and so, so I'm right. So it wouldn't matter what the numbers are. people have Load voted for yeah, so Whereas the Russians no, have, I mean, the, the the Russians have never intervened on the side of trying to persuade us to leave the EU or to interfere in other countries' <laughs> yeah, elections. Exactly the There's a fantastic the social media result Russians called EU versus Brexit. disinformation, <laughs> provided by your European Union people. Which shows you how the uh, you, uh, the Russians interfere in our news agenda and our elections all the time. I encourage you to follow it on Facebook. But, but they don't really have any bearing, do they? Let's be honest huh? about it. They may have this attempted to influence elections, but there's no actual bearing on it. I mean, well, they t- may Twitter, it's an inugatory amount of, it, of uh, t- Russian tweets at last election. We don't As know. Was, well, there's been reports out on this. It's, not, it's completely unproven. It's a conspiracy theory. The left pedal, but it isn't really there. Uh, the problem with numbers is that 17.4 million people voted to leave the EU and nothing's going to get near that. Even, mm. even your petition signed by, is it 6 million now? Mm. I mean, and if some are from um, Azerbaijan, it just doesn't go near the number 
2016. And I think that's why it's so important to respect that vote and not have a second vote. This deifying of the 17.4 million is just, I mean, it's a result. It's not a god, it's an actual reality. It is a reality, but the idea that it's the only thing that ever happened in politics, ever. Nothing else matters. Ever, ever matters. Well, no, we have votes repeatedly on every other thing. But apparently, this is the one vote that must never, ever, ever be re examined. I find that strange. I also think dismissing a position of 6 million people, the idea that you can conjure up 6 million uh, uh, signatures from software seems itself you know, uh, fanciful. Do the numbers matter? I think they do matter. I think they all feed into something. I think Thank we can you. all see the sharp contrast between the Remain March and Nigel Farage's pay to march right. rather sad craggy islands uh, to be fair I was asking a lot of the participants I think right? it was asking a lot in the lashing rain to march down for six days hey, of their life. And, and, to pay, and to pay for the pleasure yeah. Yeah. yeah well now you got 50 quid and you got free, free hotels for two weeks well on the, on the march on the protest outside parliament of the remainers Jackie should whether it was a million or not it was something in that kind of figure yeah should, should it, 300,000? <laughs> yeah, it's 300, It was a million. It's a little long. It was a million. Pop into comedy. 300,000. Whether it was a million or not, yeah. is there a point at where, if it were a million, that should be listened to? Or, is it, you know, were all those people wasting well, their time? Um, Iraq no, war. no, I don't, Iraq think, war. I don't think people were, were wasting. I mean, no one shouted Iraq war at you for a, a while, have they? Po- that is a fair point. <laughs> oh, and James? I marched against Iraq war. No one listened to me. So the point is. The government at the time that you were part of ignored essentially the march yes. on the Iraq war. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. But yeah, but I'm, I'm just <laughs> being clear rather I understand, than just I taking heckles. So yeah. okay, yeah. So, so what, but was, what I was that actually was a mistake, going to say, is this a mistake to ignore this? Um, I don't think a single demonstration. I don't even think six million people, including me, who signed the petition, is the definitive. That okay, that's the clincher. We've got to change our um, position. I think if you start, I think the problem is if you start with a referendum and then you fail through Parliament to be able to come to a conclusion, the only way to bring that to a conclusion is by offering back uh, the choice to the British people again. So I wouldn't have had a referendum in the first place, but having ventured down that route, I think the only way to close it back down again, and, you know, I'm completely honest, to hopefully allow people to have reflected on the decisions that they made, to think about what it actually means to leave the EU and perhaps to change their mind. I'm, I'm not incidentally convinced either that if there were to be uh, another referendum, that people would all vote to, people would vote to remain. I'm, I'm not even convinced there would be a majority, but I don't think at the moment there is another way of bringing this to a conclusion. Okay, I'm just going to finish with Article 5 before we get to your questions, which is Article 6. Uh, I'm just going to finish with Article 5 doing that thing that they do at the end of the televised leadership debates where they ask the contenders to say what they like about the other person's policy and they say, <laughs> oh yes, gay marriage. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, <coughs> uh, let's start with you, James, because you're grimacing. If... Um, <laughs> I don't like these questions. No. They're silly questions. <laughs> Go on, the okay, so the silly question is... Um, if, let's put it this way. If Brexit happens exactly as you want it, what would you miss about the situation at the moment? In Brexit Britain, what would be the downside? Uh, the only thing that saddens me about Brexit, the only thing that I would, if I could go back in time and, and change, but it, is the, the division and rancour that it's caused. It, it, it's been a bit like the Civil War, that, that it's, it's, it's cast brother against brother, father against son. It's divided 
friends, families, and, and, and things. And I, I think that's, that's really sad. Well, but, it, but, it, but apart, and, and by the way, the vitriol has been more on the Remainers' part than on the Leavers' that's part. That's just nonsense. Uh, in fact, that is, the, there, is, there, is that actual, is actually there is actual scientific evidence. No, there isn't. Yes, there is. It really is not. And actually, if you, if you look at the... Uh, Matthew Goodwin read an article about this the other day. He's actually done <coughs> some polling on this. It's that, that tosh. Re, uh, yeah, oh, you can on. say it's tosh. Yeah, that tosh. Remainers are much more likely to say, I would not like my daughter to marry a, a Lever than, than, than vice versa. So that's the only thing. Nothing else would would I miss about the European Union because there's nothing to miss about the European Jackie, Union. Jackie, what would you if we did leave the European Union if we welcome stayed. about that situation? Uh, what would I welcome? Um, I, uh, I have friends and very close family members who voted leave and one of the things that they say to me is but you always used to moan when you had to go to European Council meetings about how sclerotic it was how arrogant some of the officials were so um, I don't believe that the EU is a perfect institution far from it so I um, you know I that's not my argument. I think we are stronger as part of it, but I've always been a remain and reform person. Andrew, is there anything that... Well, no, I'm not going to give you the chance to say there's nothing. Uh, if we leave the European Union, what would be good about that? If we leave the European Union, what will be good about that? <laughs> It'll make me happy. It'll make James happy. Um, nice. You know what will be good about it? We'll be out of Europe's hair. <coughs> this, this rancorous, divided poisonous country that we have been turned into. And I don't think it's really what Britain is, but this nightmare, I agree with James, it has turned people against, against their friends and their family. I cordially disagree with them that it's Romanians who've done it, but this nightmare can then be corralled on this horrible little island that we've turned ourselves into. We're a lovely island. We should be a lovely island. We should we be an open, are. friendly, cooperative, uh. a, an island that looks out to the world, that exports our music, our ideas, our mm. culture, our beliefs, our ethics, we should be exporting them to the world. Mm. But what we've turned out, and what this process has done, is it's turned us into the people that nobody wants at the party. It's turned us into the perpetual arguing. Yeah. It's turned us into bores as well, actually. We are, we are well, world <laughs> bores now. Well, actually, Brexit, so Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. So the on, the world on that hear point, about Christopher, it. if Brexit actually happens, and then we can stop talking about it, I know yeah. it's unlikely, but if it happened and, it, and that was the situation, and as a journalist you had to start covering other stuff, would you miss... Wow. Just wow. Would you miss this purple patch of, ex of people being involved in the political discourse? It's so hard to see around it. The problem is like it's a huge boulder in the way. You can't see through it or around it or even know where it's going. It just sits there. And it's, uh, you know, I, I miss the... I think it's been allowed to take over our lives. We are essentially leaving um, uh, a, a trading area. I mean, we are still Britain, unlike the Guardian, we're not leaving Europe. We're still part of Europe because geographically we're still here. We have a lot more th that unites us and divides us, to use that expression, uh, in this situation. I, I think we, are, we want to get back to recognising that we, are, we have friends in France, you can go on holiday there and, and the rest of it. We, we are still, we're basically just redefining the, the, the terms of our relationship in a trading area, a trading idea, I think. But it's uh, more than that, isn't it? We're voluntarily well, you made, you've made it away. You've made it more than that. But I mean, it's a lot more. We're, taking, we're voluntarily taking away the right of generations of young people and people get on board to go and do what we were able to do, which is live, work, study wherever we like. You can I still do that. Right. If you look at the rules on Erasmus, on all, on 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 again, on your, on interrailing, all the things you're describing, you can still do. The point is, is more the control to do that is back with MPs like Jackie, went to an MP, and not. 
farmed out to elected officials. That's what, that's what Brexit is about. Okay, Article 6, your turn. Hands in the air. Uh, we've got a radio mic that we can pass around, which this lady in the exciting podcast Live Merchandise is holding. Let's just drop it to this man because he's closest to you and then let's work around the room. Yes. Uh, hello. Uh, first a confession. I used to work for David Cameron. Um, and I'm a Remainer. But I just would like someone to explain the logic to me on this argument about a general election versus um, a confirmatory referenda. It seems to me the general election, we're all asked to vote on a manifesto that covers many things. And as a Cameroon, I guess, I wouldn't know how to vote. I couldn't vote Conservative and I couldn't vote Labour and I'm one of many. What is the argument for putting a general election over and above the specific issue of this deal? and whether or not the people supported. Surely both sides sound very confident they'd win. Why is there any argument against it? The argument, for a, the argument that my party would put for a general election is that actually we think the country would be better off if it had a Labour government. My worry about that is that, one, I agree with you that people vote on a much wider range of issues, which is incidentally why Labour did relatively quite well in 2017, uh, and it didn't become a Brexit election. And my other worry is that, you know, much as I would want Labour to win, I'm not convinced they necessarily would do in a general election scenario in the next six, 12 months. Anyone else like to say that? Well, I think Theresa May was, was caught out. She said in 2017, I want to get a majority for a hard Brexit. She was 50 points ahead. And of course, over an election period, everything else comes to the fore. Jackie says schools, hospitals, defence, um, health, everything else matters more. And then so she's trying to put a, 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 a meaning on that ele- election. It was on a different ma- issue altogether. So if you want to, you know, yes, a referendum would maybe deal with it. But imagine if it was 52, 48 the other way. I mean, then what? It'd be still, we'd still be rowing about this stuff. We're all informed this we were not co- informed last time. So I think all sides would accept the second referendum result, whichever way it went. I, and I, I Parliament could legislate so that we literally leave the EU I, the next day if we vote to right. I agree right. with that. And I think that the, the argument for a general election is a very, very thin one, unless all you want to do is run down the clock. I think that it's highly unlikely that uh, a general election would return a different chamber with a different composition that would be able to get a, a direction ahead. I think the... The argument for a confirmatory referendum after the deal is almost unanswerable. And I think you're absolutely right. We are now fully informed. We're too informed. We're sick of it. We know where we are. Very, I mean, this is where the, the argument that why are you making them vote again? It's a completely different scenario. Last if, it was, time, if it was truly a confirmatory referendum, because that's the new term, then wouldn't it just be, be between Theresa May's deal and another kind of Brexit rather than having remained on the paper at all? No, because you cannot say to people, you, you, your choices are limited to this. There's a big question over whether it should be accept May's deal uh, no deal Brexit or remain or whether it should just be two alternatives because I mean I find it very hard to much as I think a no deal Brexit would be the most catastrophic thing we could inflict upon ourselves it's hard to see the argument that people should not be able to make that choice should they wish but well, they can you're, you're exactly right on that oh. it, it, it only makes sense if you have an in-out referendum in 16 and then what type of Brexit do you want hard or soft now that is, that is the no, only that's way not true. You, that's what makes sense after, yeah, after three years people are, are entitled a newly, a newly composed electorate and a newly composed voting corpus is entitled to make a choice again about whether it wants okay. to leave. If you have a past parliament can't bind a future parliament. Okay, I want to get why, some more past the, why should okay, a past referendum bind a future referendum? Uh, He's a Romaniac. Yeah. Uh, so on the ten. Just let's go with this gentleman at the back and then let's move it to the right of the room and then I'll come to the front. Yeah. Uh, hi, thank you. Um, 
I uh, wanted to ask um, about this idea that Brexit is a popular insurrection. Um, this is not how it was portrayed during the referendum campaign. We were told we would have our cake and eat it. We were told we would have good relationships with Europe. We were told we would have 350 million pounds of the NHS. We were told by now we would have 40 trade deals signed with other countries. This is not how it was sold. We were promised marginal improvements. We were promised something better than what we had before. And a lot of my friends voted leave. I mean, I can't vote, I'm French, but a lot of my friends voted leave because they wanted to buy, be able to buy a house. They wanted to uh, get a job. They thought, I mean, I have friends <coughs> on the left who voted leave because they thought it would lead to a fairer right. immigration policy. That's, I mean, it's stupid, but, um, you know, it's yeah. what they believe. Oh, oh. And, and now we have this idea of a popular insurrection. Um, and I, I just wonder how you square those two things. My second question is... Um, this idea of a betrayal if Brexit is stimmied. What happens if, as the auto manufacturers are warning, the car industry leaves the UK? What happens uh, in, in Sunderland? What happens to, to, to all those places when the economy starts to decline and uh, public spending goes down? Ooh, thank you. Okay, um, so lots of this is, this is the, uh, the fantastical arrogance and out-of-touchness <laughs> of the Remainer class. And it's a version, it's a version it's of, a member of, the public. of okay. Marxist, Marxist, Marxist <laughs> false, false... I can still attack him. Um, Marxist false consciousness, the idea that the little people were, were misled. They were so ignorant, so ill-informed, they were misled by this, these, these numbers on the side of the bus and they saw, oh, donuts. 350 million to the NSA and drooling in their, in their working class un, uh, uneducated ignorance that they, they, they voted for something which was not in their interest. It's absolute rubbish. The, the Remain campaign, which was vastly better funded because basically the government, the, the, the civil service, the whole establishment was united behind Brexit. You had President Obama coming in. You had um, old Ron Seal woman, what, what's her name, from the IMF, um, Christine Lagarde. All these, all these supposed... The, the entire global establishment, pretty much, was coming in to tell us that Brexit, Brexit was a bad <coughs> thing. And still, still, the ignorant people voted for Brexit. Now, what does that tell us? Maybe it tells us that, actually, people, ordinary people have a certain amount of common sense that the university-educated classes are, are sorely lacking. And I don't think that you can use that argument to, to dismiss the popular revolt that happened in June 2016. The people were right, and you cannot thwart their work. Okay, I, I know that one of you will want to say something against that, but I'm going to ask for if, any, if there's a question from anyone who's pro-Brexit on this side of the audience so we can balance that out. Uh, yes, uh, this gentleman and then this lady. Thank you. Hello, Lorne Smith. Um, could, uh, uh, in opposition to that last question, the, the, the important thing is, if we have another referendum... What I'd like to hear, what do you think would be the, the, the phrase on, both, on either side? I think the Brexit phrase will be, tell them again. I've heard that leaking out from the, the, the pro-Brexit campaign that's being prepared in case there's another referendum. But there's nothing wrong with that. What, what, what would be, I mean, that would be a good strategy, wouldn't it, it? Would for their campaign? Yeah. Yeah. I, would yeah. like to, I would like to see... I mean, I'm not going to sort of workshop a slogan right here. I want something <laughs> on the lines of "Make it stop and reboot Britain," because we have to end this nightmare. It is a nightmare. It's getting stop. worse. Pardon? Mummy, make it stop. How about that? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know what your nanny told you in the past, James, but uh, make it stop. Uh, you know, because it is a nightmare. We're all, although we're in this room, we're fascinated about it. It is an ongoing, endless nightmare, and it's only going to get worse if we continue down this path. Well, but no, that, it make wouldn't make it stop, would it? If, if even if the vote was in the favour of 
Well, po- yeah. politics never ends, and, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not taking for granted at all the idea that if there's another vote, Remain would win it. In no way. I think the campaign would have to be fought a lot harder with very, very different people, representatives of the public, not the Stephen Kinnicks of this world. The referendum vote last time, it may have been, would you like to leave the European Union or not? But what it was taken by the, by the general public was, do you want to kick the establishment in the yeah. balls? And yeah. I think you would agree with that, wouldn't you, James? Do you I, want I, to kick the establishment I in the balls? I so want to kick the establishment in the balls. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. that, was, that has been reinterpreted so many times to give us this, this crazy extreme right hard Brexit that is not on anybody's ballot paper. How is it extreme okay. right? Okay, okay. We know that you disagree about that. I just that. can't say that. Okay. I just said it. It's well, what it is. Not not thank you. Can we podcast live? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, that was lively. That was lively. That was great. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Podcast Live. And remember, you can join our mailing list to find out about our next events at podcastlive.com. We're proud to use Omni Studio, the complete audio management solution to host and distribute our podcasts. You can find out more about them at omnistudio.com. <laughs>